0: Thank you, Dana, very much. I would like to take you back to the weeks preceding FCC's beginning. So this is almost 19 years ago. Uh, We were weeks away from the launch of the church, and there was this passage in Isaiah that that deeply impacted our thought process, the decisions we made about the church, and, and this passage has affected us to this very day. So I want to read it to you. It's Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5. It says, Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight pathway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys, level the mountains and hills, straighten the curves, and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. This, this is talking about uh, John the Baptist who would come and, and prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. And it's talking about how John the Baptist was to to blow down every single barrier possible for those so they could actually get to Jesus and to encounter him. And so the passage is saying if if there's a valley, then fill it in because it's going to slow someone down. It may keep someone from getting there to him. If there are hills and mountains, level them. Don't make them climb over a hill or mountain to get to him. If there are some curves, straighten the road, straight shot to Jesus. If there are rough places, smooth it out. Remove every single barrier you can, so every single person will have a chance to to encounter Jesus, to see him, to get to know him, to experience his love, his grace, his power, his goodness, his righteousness, all of that, all of that, and be confronted by him. And so as a church, we took that to heart, and our thought process was that he was calling us, the church, and this is true of all churches, he was calling us to, to blow down every single barrier that would keep someone from encountering Jesus for who he is and from experiencing the claim he has on their life. And so the way it looked in those opening weeks and months and years for us, it affected how we would dress. We, we realized how we dress might affect the crowd that God has called us to, to, um, to bring toward Jesus. And so if you saw some of the early pictures, you would see me in the early days actually with this uh, very stiff starched white dress shirt on and some dress pants. In a couple of weeks, I'm sure this tie there and some of the other founders came to me in those opening weeks and said, man, uh, you don't need the help to have nerd written all over you. You carry that very readily. And it's actually, it's a barrier to some people to see this guy that's a nerd with this stiff, starched white shirt and this tie and... I lose the tie, lose the white shirt, and and so I lost the tie and the white shirt. It affected even how we would dress. It affected the style of music we did because of the folks that God wanted us to reach. Music would be a factor in how we reach them. It affected the, the words and terminology we used. We realized we couldn't use churchy language, churchy terms, and so all of us that would speak or would talk, we were very careful not to use churchy terms unless it was a crucial term. And if we used it, we were careful to try to explain it and identify it so everyone would be on the same page. And it affected the translation of the Bible we would use. This was a long time ago. A lot of churches were using the King James Version, which it's a great version if you can understand it, but most people can't. And so we chose a version that people could understand. And it affected so much of what we did in the early days. And that has never changed. In fact, that that mindset, that mindset was in the early days, we had a phrase for it here. I, I called it a trying to establish a single-barrier environment. And what that meant was we would try to pull down, blow away every single barrier that would keep someone from actually encountering Jesus for who he is and experiencing his claim upon their life. And his claim upon their life would be the single-barrier left. And, and so how many of you were here that first year, 1998, Maybe you're, yeah, we were a really small church then, weren't we? Yeah, there are not many of us then. And if you have died, if you're in heaven right now, it was a small church, but but you heard me talk about being this single barrier environment. And we've talked about no sacred cows for 19 years. If there's something in the way of bringing someone to see Jesus for who he is and to hear his claim on their life, then we would we would kill and barbecue that sacred cow, that sacred cow's history then. And so that's who we've always been. And now, now that... Uh, we're in this season that we're calling vision 2200. I need to describe what that is, because some of you are, are new here. Uh, here's the foundation of what we call vision 2200. In Second 2 Peter chapter three, verse nine, it says that he, God, is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That passage is saying that that the God of the universe longs for every single human being to meet his son and become his son's follower. And so, for us at FCC, we've had this mindset that that every single person you and I ever encounter is someone that Jesus died for and longs that they would know him. And so, around here in this season, and this began about January, and it's kind of fleshed out. with great clarity, God has been saying to us as a church. He's been saying that, that this place is about two-thirds full, and he never intended it to, to exist at two-thirds full because there's, there's one more life, one more life, one more life that hasn't met Jesus yet. And so he's been uh, pressing upon us that he wants to fill this place with people that are really encountering Jesus and increasingly becoming followers of Jesus. And that would mean on a given Sunday, there would be 2,200 people here. And so vision 2,200 is shortcut for us. And around here, it means that, that we get it. God loves every single human being and longs for them to find their way home. And he wants to use us in a new way, a new season. So this place that's his place would be filled with people who are encountering him, becoming fully devoted to it's not. It's not about numbers, but here's the deal about the number. Every single digit represents a human being that matters to God. And so we're in this process, and so we've, we've had this mindset I have and the board has and the staff has. We've been pondering what are the barriers that are keeping someone else from coming to see Jesus. And there are several aspects of, of how God's leading us, and, and I'll hit the first four really fast. We understand he wants us to, to become people who pray in a more effective way and we're beginning, we're about that. He wants us to become a people that would not only share his heart for someone that doesn't know Jesus, but we would become better at doing that, and we're beginning that process as well. He wants us on Sunday mornings, he wants us to learn how to, to do this hour better, where everyone truly encounters Jesus in this hour, and we're in the process of that. He wants us to use social media, which which is um, the communication of our world today in a way like we never have before. I'll say this, the, there's an old phrase, it's true, the speed of the leader is the speed of the organization. I just learned how to spell social media. And as a church, we are a decade behind. And, and it's this, it's this um, like pathway of communication that our world uses. And we're going to become better at that. But, but here's where I, I want to go with the rest of the message. There's a final way he wants us to be more effective he has said to us that we've had, we've had a measure of effectiveness in the town of Friendswood, but much less so in the nearby towns, much less so in Alvin and Pearland and League City and Webster and Dickinson and Santa Fe and Hitchcock and Angleton and Texas, on and on and on much less so there much, much less so. And we've known that, but, but he's, he's pressing us in that area. And so, uh, We've chosen, we've spent a lot of time because of proximity on on Alvin and trying to understand where the barriers are with Alvin. And we understand that to some measure, whatever we learn about Alvin will help us with Pearland and Leak City and Santa Fe and on and on and on. And so we've spent a measure of time there, including we've had some meals where we've invited FCC folks that some of you in this room that live in Alvin, we've invited you to some meals in some intimate settings. And we've said, what has your experience been here And you've told us about that, and and then we've said, have you invited many people, many neighbors from Alvin? And this blew us away because almost without exception, of, of all of the Alvin folks we had these intimate settings with, almost without exception, the answer was, oh, yes, I have invited so many people neighbors and people at the store and if I work it out co-workers and on and on I've invited so many people. And so we said, well what has the response been? And they've said, well there's this there's this massive barrier to them even coming on campus. And what they said next didn't really shock us. They said, well well they understand and they understand there's some cultural difference between Alvin and Friendswood and and maybe even more so there's some perceived difference and and I would I would pause right there and say it's not just there's a cultural difference between Alvin and Friendswood. Every single town has its own culture. Friendswood has a culture, and Leak City has a little different culture, and Alvin has a different culture, and Santa Fe, a different culture, and Pearland, a different culture, which has been changing, by the way, with the development of the 288 corridor. That, the culture of Pearland is changing. Every town has its own culture. So they were saying the cultural difference, it's this barrier. But then they began to describe the, the size of the barrier. And they said with some people it's been impossible to get them to even come once. In fact they said with most people it it is like pulling teeth and then we press further and they said it's it's not just that they perceive there's a cultural difference and they wonder if they would even fit because there is a difference there is in all towns the difference between Alvin and Friendswood this isn't just a church in Friendswood but because this is a church that's, that's named itself and labeled itself Friendswood Community Church, then their question is, is that, is that really a place for me? Could I ever be at home there? Could I ever fit there? And they said the reality is that the majority of people I asked, they won't even come one time, not even a single time, not even a single time will they come Think about this. It's, it's not just Alvin and Friendswood. Some of you live in Friendswood. If someone invited you to Pearland Community Church, wouldn't there be a pause? Wouldn't you just begin to wonder, well, that's, that's Pearland Community Church. Would I ever really fit? Would they welcome me in, but would I always be an outsider because I'm not from Pearland? Or some of you are from League City. If someone invited you to Dickinson Community Church, wouldn't there be a pause? Wouldn't you wonder if you would ever really fit? You're not part of Dickinson community. It's Dickinson Community Church. The, the The magnitude of the mountain was 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 devastating to see that for the first time. But then, in the first setting, someone continued and said, "However, some have come, and they said when when the ones." have actually come, the very first time they walk on this campus, they find all of their perceptions are blown away. And they find that they do fit, they do belong. And they said the very first time they felt like, this could be home. Like, I could fit here. All of my preconceived ideas were wrong about this place. And then the next person said the same thing. Well, that's true of me. Most people wouldn't come, but those that did, just the first time on campus... And the next meal setting, in person after person after person, which told us we don't, we don't have to change who we are. I mean, there's a there's a measure of the love, and embrace, and grace of Jesus that's bleeding through us. And, and, and which was deeply encouraging, deeply. We just have to figure out the way to, to get them to come, to come to experience and come to find this. And in, in each of the settings that we did, there was always someone when we would ask them, well, what can we do? And they had different ideas. There was always someone that would, they would raise their hand and they would say, well, can I be honest? I mean, really, if we would just change the name of the church, it would make the most difference of all. But of course, we couldn't do that. But We could. And we're going to do that. See, we've always been in Isaiah 43 through 5 church. We've always heard God say, fill in every valley, blow down every hill and every mountain in the way, straighten every curve in the road, smooth out every rough place, do everything you can so someone can come to actually meet Jesus and encounter the claim upon his life. We've always been a church that's longed to be a single barrier environment. We've always said no sacred cows. We've always said that's always who we've been. And so, indeed, we're going to change the name of the church. And this is the name that the church will be. The church will be called The Harbor. The Harbor. Ponder with me for a moment what a harbor is. A harbor is a place where ships that have been at sea that have been damaged and broken are brought in to be restored. A harbor is a place where ships that have been out at sea and their, their fuel tanks are empty are brought in to be refueled. And a harbor is a place then after they're restored and refueled, they're returned out to sea where they're meant to be the bulk of the time. That's what a harbor is. And in the very same fashion, this church has been a harbor. It's been a place where God brings people that are broken and hurting, and wounded. It's a place that God restores their lives. It's a place that people come, and they are tired, and worn, and weary, and God refuels their lives in this place. And after he restores them, and refuels them, he returns them to live their daily life with Jesus at the center of their lives. When we on the board began to ponder this name, it was like uh, It's like a fuse burning through the room of of us getting it, of it clicking for us and us realizing that is who we are. That is who we have always been. And among the senior staff, when, when we put that name on the table and said, this is what a harbor is to ships and this is what a harbor is to people, it was like a fuse burning through the room. It was almost spontaneous combustion, of course. That's who we've always been. Like we've always been that place. After the, the board, and of course this is, all, this is the board's realm, this is the board's decision, but after the board and, and this senior level of staff, um, in the past two weeks we brought in uh, some other, a few other people to help us just begin to carry out what would become the name Change because we just needed more help. And so two weeks ago I met with a small group of people, very small group of people, and I was walking through this with them. And I was talking about how God has always wanted every barrier blown down. It's who we've always been. And, and then I gave them the name, the harbor. I said, this is what a harbor is to ships. This is what a harbor is to people. And this is what's always happened here in this place. And I was looking at them like I'm looking at you. And I couldn't read them. And I'm so, I'm so convinced like this is, this is of God. And so I'm standing there thinking, but maybe I didn't say it right. Maybe I didn't convey it clearly, and so I'm but I'm done. And so I said, Well, what do you think? And there was this pregnant pause, and this person raised their hand. And they said, ten years ago, I was broken and wounded and hurting. And I came here, and God began to restore me and and to you know, bandage the wounds and to repair the damage. And so many times I've come here and I'm weary and worn and tired and God has refueled me. And every time he's restored and refueled, he returns me back to my everyday life with Jesus at the center. This is what this church has been to me. It's been my harbor. And then as discussion began, there were, uh, it, was, it was again, it was spontaneous combustion in that small setting. So earlier this week I had a uh, meeting with another small group that we needed some help from. And I did the very same thing with them, and I was done. And again, I, I, I couldn't really read them either, and I'm wondering if I did it right. And, and, but discussion began, and I could tell that they got it, and it, it resonated deeply. It rippled through the room. Very shortly after, I got this email from one of the individuals that was in the room, and the individual said, the, like, the moment you said the harbor, and you described what a harbor is, my eyes welled up with tears, because four and a half years ago, we were wounded and broken. and We came here. And God began to restore my life. And Good Friday, 2014, I gave my life to Jesus. And everything began to change within me. He began to deeply restore me in Jesus. And not just me, but he's restored our marriage now. And, and our experience has been, this place has been a harbor for me. And so I had the last of the three meetings just yesterday with another group. And as as we finished and we broke up, a man pulled me aside, and he said, "And I know him pretty well." And he said, "I've been following Jesus uh, with abandon for thirty five years. I have authentically been following him, but a year ago I came here, and in this past year, God has restored this intimacy with Jesus and this passion for Jesus." And he's he's filled up my tank with energy for him. And he sent me back into my world with Jesus more at the center than ever before. This has been my harbor as well. And and I I dare to think, if you've been here for some time, and you ponder what God's done in your life here, I dare to think that, that this is the place that God has restored you. And for some of you, you came far from God. This is the place you met Jesus, began to follow him. For others, you came knowing him for a long time, but this is a place of been seasoned. God's, God has restored you here. And I dare to think that there have been times in your life that you've been so weary and worn and tired, and you came here and God refueled you. And I dare to say that there have been times that you've come here, and as you've gotten restored and refueled, God has returned you to your daily life with Jesus at the very center and core of your being to live that life out. That's who we are. That's who we've always been. That's who we've always been. Now, I want to clarify a couple things for you. One is this. There are still um, six remaining founders of Friendswood Community Church, six remaining founders that were the ones that that named this church, the name that we bear right now. Uh, Bob and Ginger Boone are two of those. Jack and Candice Horner are two of those. Marie and I are the, the other two of those. Again, we were the ones that named this church. And the six of us, no exception, we are more excited and more passionate about what God's doing now than we have ever been in the life of the church. The six of us sense that God is doing something fresh and doing beyond anything he's ever done in this church now. That's the sense that we have. Now, very specifically, the name of the church is The Harbor. It's not The Harbor Community Church. Very intentionally, it's not that. Very prayerfully, it's not that because... If it were the Harbor Community Church, it would be so similar to Friendswood Community Church that there would be many people that would think, oh, they just changed the front end of the name. It's, It's just the same old place that I think I know what they are. I've never been there, but I have no reason to even go find out because it's just the same place I've never even gone to, had no interest in. And so it's not the Harbor Community Church. But not only that, very prayerfully, strategically, it's not the Harbor Church either. And this is why. Everyone has assumptions of what church is, some good, some bad. Everyone has baggage of the term church, some good, some bad. Who do you think has has good assumptions, good baggage about what church is? The people already in church. Who has the bad assumptions? The bad baggage of what church is? People that aren't in church, the very people God wants us to reach. And we realize that we put the Harbor Church. Just just church alone, many people will look at that and say, yeah, I I know about churches. I I don't need them. I've never needed them. I'm not looking for one. I'll keep driving past it. But we realize there'll be a few people, if it's just the harbor, there'll be a few people that will wonder and be curious about it. And maybe they'll ask you one day, well, why is it just the harbor? And, And they're one of the ones that would have just kept driving on past. They'll ask you one day. And for the very first time, very first time, there's going to be this this compelling answer to that question, and, and you can say to them, you can say to them, uh, this is who we are as a church. Okay, we are a church. Like may no make no mistake about it. But this is who we are. This is the place that God takes broken and wounded and hurting people, and He restores their life. This is the place that God takes people that are worn and weary and, and tired and refuels their life. This is the place that God then returns someone to their daily life and God's at the very center of their life. This is, this is where we are. Would you want to try that church with me? For the very first time. There'll be a level of curiosity because the term church carries so much baggage with it. So this is the Harbor Church. Okay, a couple of things. Um, the impact of this change may actually be greater in the community of Friendswood than the surrounding communities because of this. Because we are a um, somewhat sizable church, we've been here for 20 years, most people in Friendswood and some in the surrounding communities, they know know who we are, they know our name, and they will find out, they will find out we're changing the name, and there will be more curiosity about this church than there's ever been before. There'll be more people thinking about, wondering, having a question about this church than we've ever had in our history. And for the first time again, you will be equipped for the first time to give a clear, compelling message of who we are. And who we are is we're the harbor, which is the place where God takes broken and wounded and hurting people and he restores their lives. And we're the place that God takes tired and weary people and he refuels their lives and this is the place that God, after he restores and refuels, he returns us to life with him at the very core of our being. This is who we are. And, and you'll have the chance to answer that question. The odds, are, the odds are nearly all of you will be asked, and maybe multiple times you'll be asked why, why the church name change. And you'll be able to say, well, the current name is a barrier to some people. And the, the current name just tells where we are. Think about it, Friendswood, community, it just tells where we are. But the harbor tells who we are. Let me tell you who we are. We're this place that God restores and God refuels and God returns. And if they're still listening and still curious, you can say, Can I tell you my story? Can I tell you how He's restored my life there and refueled my life there? How He returns me to my daily life there for the first time? And, and it, it is a compelling story. The people that you and I know, so many of them, they, they know they're broken and hurting and wounded. And to have just the hope that there's a place that a God would meet them and restore them. They're longing for that. Many of them know that they are tired and weary and worn. And they're longing for a hope if if there's a place that a God could actually refuel them. They would would come take the chance. He might actually do it. And there's so many people that are yearning to be able to live daily with, with someone, something with great power and wisdom and love at the core of their being. If they thought it's just possible, they might just come with you. If they come, if they come, God will be here to meet them. If they give him some space, he will restore and he will refuel and he will return them to live that kind of life. The very first time you can give them that message. I'll give you a couple more things. This may be of help to you about, about the title, just the church itself. Uh, many places in Scripture, Scripture refers to, to the church but uses other terms in church. There's nothing in, in Scripture that says we have to always call ourselves the church. In Philippians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul's writing to the... It was the church in Philippi, but he calls them God's holy people in Philippi. doesn't call them the church. 1 Thessalonians 5.26, he doesn't call them the church. He calls them the brothers and sisters. They are the church. He doesn't call them that. Titus 3.15, he calls them the believers he doesn't bother to call them the church. Other places, the church is called the body of Christ or the bride of Christ or the priesthood of all believers. We are the harbor. Why? We're just, we're begging the questions. Why did the name change? Why did you leave church out? We're, we're begging the questions so we can give them the answer of who we are. Okay, this is what's going to unfold for us um, Tomorrow, we'll begin to tell the Bay Area, and you're free to tell the Bay Area this afternoon about it, people you know and meet. But tomorrow, we'll be letting all of the media outlets know, the social media outlets know, and the traditional media outlets know, and there'll be some billboards that will begin to process this. Because we understand that, that the more people know there's a change, the more curiosity there will be, and God wants to leverage all the curiosity that, that there is. And so that will begin to unfold. But the, the name won't actually change for seven weeks. The name won't change until November the 6th, okay? November the 6th, there'll be a series titled The Harbor that will tell how someone actually can can actually have their life restored and refueled and returned out again. But in these next seven weeks, this is the crucial thing. God wants us to have 1,500 people that can go out and answer the questions. When someone says, why the name change? Why the harbor? that every one of us will be prepared to say, well, the current name is a barrier. Current name just tells where we are, but the harbor tells who we are. Can I tell you that? We're a place where broken, hurting, wounded people come, and, and the God of the universe really restores their lives here. This is a place that people that are weary and worn and tired come, and the God of the universe actually refuels them here this is a place that then God returns them to live out their life differently with Jesus at the very core of that. Here, here's the lever God has. There's a place where Jesus says to his followers, he says, you need to be as gentle as doves and as smart as serpents. He says, be smart. And, and a name change, a name change, you have, you have one shot to leverage every single thing God wants to do in the name change. Six months from now, we can't, we can't decide, well, we didn't do it right and do it, have a redo. And, and, and here's, here's the power of you and I having the answer to the question. When someone says why, to be able to say, here's the answer. This is who we are. Restore, refuel, return. This is who we are. And so seven weeks, we will be toward that. Okay. Okay. Um, 2 Peter 3.9 says that God's heartbeat reverberates for every single being on the planet. Every single person you will ever encounter. God says to his church, blow down every barrier. That's what this is about. It's just blowing down the biggest barrier, the single biggest barrier to Alvin and Pearland and League City and Webster and Santa Fe and Dickinson and on and on and on. That's what this is about. Because God's intent is because of this. Is there'll be people that discover Jesus and follow him. And their life will be rebuilt like ours have been rebuilt. And heaven is going to be a fuller place. That's what this is all about. I want to include some other people in, in my message. I want you to look at a, about a one-minute video and see how this unfolds. And then I want you to join the worship band with a worship song. And then I want to conclude my message then with some final directions for you guys. So, so take a look at this and see and hear the heartbeat of this. The one that we know the one that we serve is a living God. And, yeah. So many of us, we have experienced his restoration, his refueling, his returning us out with him at the center. And we're going to have company, folks. We have more folks to become uh, brothers and sisters in this faith, more folks. Because there's a living Jesus who, who loves them deeply. He's died for them. He's risen for them. They are one touch away. And as we've been for 19 years, we're a church that if if there's a barrier God shows us between someone and Jesus, we will blow it down. Yeah. A couple things might help you out. Um, In some of the smaller settings that we've had, there have been some folks that have gotten this vision with such passion that have come to us and said we want to help underwrite the cost that there is to change a name Uh, billboards and sign and all that kind of stuff and everything and so they've said I I get it I want to be part of this and um, and some of you may be so stirred there's the chance we might pay for every bit of this without a single penny from just general giving and how cool would that be if, if everything in general giving is still left for everything else to be done and so I say that just because maybe God has stirred you that way. And you can contact me or Steve Shelby. Or you could just write on the memo line and check, write the harbor. And, and it would go toward that. We want to equip you going out. We have some shirts that we prepared that have the harbor logo on it on the front. And on the back, uh, it says, restore, refuel, and return. And so if you forget those words, you back up to a mirror and you look back and it tells you, reminds you what it is. But, but we thought, how cool if there are 1,500 walking billboards the next several weeks around town that start conversations. And so we actually have shirts for everyone from the age of five and up. And so if you have a child that's five and up, then we would encourage you to get a shirt for them as well. Uh, I May, mean, how cool to saturate the school districts with conversation pieces about God's church. And so we have that. When you go out, if you take, uh, go through the doors to the outside and take a left, uh, we'll have shirts for you there. In the bags that you'll receive with the shirts, there's a, a simple card that lays out very concisely um, the answer you would give when someone says, well, tell me why, so you can be equipped then. And so you can get that on your way out. And then I would encourage you to be, man, be very prayerful, very mindful. And, and, and this, is, this is my sense and the board sense and the, the staff sense as well, is this is a new season for us as a church. And, and this is going to be the, the best season yet for this church because of God's doing. And so let me say a simple prayer and now dismiss us with that in our know, thoughts and minds. Father, how stunningly good that you would love us, you would love every single person with such abandon. How stunningly good that you would... Um, Stir your people and stir your churches to blow down barriers and walls because your passion is that, that we as Christ followers and we as the church would simply help bring someone directly to Jesus past any barrier that might be there directly to Jesus so they might see him and be confronted by his claim upon their life. Father, we, we pray that, that all that you want to accomplish in this will indeed be done. And so we go out as your church, uh, gladly, joyfully, in your name. Amen. Thank you, friends. God bless you guys. Thank you. Great worship. Great worship.